Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host. With me this week are my fantastic co-hosts, Joe Perez uh, and Liz Harper. And my God, I was trying to call you something else, and I don't know why. Like, why was I, my brain was like trying to call you Laura something. I'm like, Laura? Who's Laura? What, what is happening to you, Bray? We've spoke, we've said Liz's name every week for like several months now. Why can't you remember it? It's been a really long year, you know? Already, yes. 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 Yes, it has. Yes, it has. But uh, hi. So yeah, we're here. We're doing a podcast. Uh, how y'all doing? I guess I could ask. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to get really excited over potentially the books that are going to be releasing for D and D this year, thanks to a long conversation that Liz and I had before the podcast. So yeah, that that whole thing. I'm sorry I wasn't there for the conversation. I had to do some medical stuff. But um, yeah, quite frankly, Tavern Watch this year is going to be fascinating. Um, yeah. But okay, we'll just we'll just jump into some some stories because then we can go on to talk about emails and just digress. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to bring up the thing that that Joe uh, you you sent in the, the thing about the uh, Xbox band list and and Microsoft wanting to be find a way to export it. Yeah, there's. So, do you mind talking about that? Not at all. So one of the things Phil Spencer has been very vocal over the last uh, I'd say a couple months more than I think he usually has been uh, for a couple of reasons. And I can drop the other one in here too, because I think it fits as we're already talking about Xbox. Um, but the idea that Phil Spencer wants to really work into is if you start banning people or you don't want to deal with people because you're, you're, you know, dealing with somebody who's being absolutely bloody toxic, you ban them, you, you block them that he wants to see if there's a way that he can work with not just, you know, the Microsoft ecosystem, which is phenomenal in and of itself already with its reach as far as what it could potentially leverage, uh, but other things like social media platforms and stuff like that to try to take your block list with you so that if you block somebody and they happen to use the same username everywhere or it's from the same source IP, that your block list will follow you. Uh, and as somebody who has been prodigiously using his block button a whole lot more in the last 
six months than I ever have. Uh, I appreciate the idea of that because if I get rid of somebody, I don't really want to deal with them in other platforms. Uh, so like, I think it's a really cool idea and it's the first time I think we've heard of somebody trying to leverage technology in a positive user experience manner in a while. Uh, so it's like, yeah, everybody else is talking about NFTs and Phil Spencer's over here talking about like, yeah, you shouldn't have to reblock the same person six times. Let's see if we can figure that out. Yeah. The NFT thing is really, it is, but as, as many people have pointed out, but yeah, this is an interesting idea. Um, I think I'm, I'm down for it. I mean, I can certainly see ways I would use it. Liz, you have an opinion on that? Uh, yeah. If you don't like someone, you can continue not liking them on every platform. Technologically, though, this seems pretty difficult to pull off because it would require multiple companies interacting and working together. It would require well, accounts linked across different networks. Funny you and, should mention that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that hard. <laughs> um, well, I mean, technically, it's not that hard, but like... The amount of effort that has gone into just getting cross-platform play between Xbox and PlayStation, these are not people who play well with each other. Well, that's it's, true. But it's it, you, you think, I think you think about it in a, a different manner. Let's say it was... It, so when you deal with email, and I'm just going to use this as an example because it's something that actually explains this, I think, pretty pretty perfectly. You're familiar with the idea of blacklist, graylist, and whitelist? Yes? No? Yeah. Okay, so every IP that exists in the world has a reputation level associated with it. Every single one of them. Doesn't matter whether it's your home one, a corporate static IP, they all have a reputation level associated with it. And the more reports that a user or users from a particular IP or IP range has, the worse that reputation goes. Now, with uh, this might get a little too technical, and I apologize. Um, but when with IPv4 addressing running out, most companies are starting to work towards longer leases, which means your home internet, you tend to have the same IP address, even if you reboot the, the modem or the router for long periods of time, because the pools are much more shallow now. They don't have an infinite number like they used to. And as a result of that, that means that if I'm being an absolute shitlord on my IP address and people start reporting me, my IP address can have a terrible reputation. They could leverage something very similar to how they do that with emails and websites now, where if an IP range of a certain user gets a lot of block reports, that it could carry over to a central reputation system that everybody can link to that doesn't have to worry about cross-platform. Microsoft already links into those uh, to those gray lists. Um, Sony does already. Nintendo does already. Uh, all of the major internet providers link into it already. All the major email platforms link into it already. It would, could be as simple as just finding a way to leverage that technology to carry your ban list with you of, have you reported this IP address before? If you have, you don't see anything from it. So like they could do it. But and it, 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 I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's going to be super, super easy, but the technology or, technically already exists. I mean, couldn't an IP address, like if you ban this IP address, you could... Like it could be the ISP's I, I, uh, IP address and the person on it tomorrow may not be the same person it, that's on it today. That argument is definitely valid. However, and I'll, I'll just use I'll use Verizon as an example, just as a, a an ISP company. I have had the same IP address for 10 years, 10 years. Um, so, yeah, you can you it's not as uh easy as like just rebooting your modem and getting a new IP address anymore. It is possible, but it's something that they could work off of. Oh, and I'm just using that as an example. They could do the same thing with reputation for other things as well. Um, and yes, as Audie Luke is pointing out in chat, yes, IPv6 
uh, is a thing that would change the game on that one. But I think we're a pretty long ways out before widespread adoption of IPv6 for consumer grade uh, stuff. So, it, yeah, there, it, it's something I, I could see them trying to do something like that, but who knows. And now this is a segue that would just kill anyone who tried it. So I'm not doing it. Uh, Systems, Seasons of Mastery has a hardcore mode. Uh, it's called the Soul of Iron Buff. And Liz <laughs> made me write this post, so I, I'm going to talk about it really fast. You no, know, no, you just it was there and you said someone write it and I did. I don't mean you didn't come to my house and with a gun and like write this write post. Write this post. Ah yeah. uh, the only time you've ever done that was with the uh what was it? Oh, I'm trying to remember. It was one of the pets. It was the sloth pet. <laughs> I, do you remember the sloth pet thing? Like yes, where I suddenly, yes. suddenly for some reason, because I was really tired, you turned into J. Jonah Jameson demanding sloth pictures <laughs> in the post. I like wrote this thing about Liz banging on a desk. Bring me sloths. But regardless, because I, I had to read this, um, they, they added this in and not when they did the seasons of mastery, they added this in the thing called the soul of iron buff, where you can get this buff from these high, high elf watchers or whatever that they put into Orgrimmar and, and Stormwind. And once you get the buff, if you die, you get a different buff called uh, Tarnished Soul, and that's it. You know that if you get that cleansed, which you can get it cleansed off of you, you can never get the Soul of Iron buff again. You're done. You know you don't die. That doesn't erase your character, but you can't have the buff again. Which means that everyone, if you want people to know that you have never died, if you want to play hardcore mode, you can use this buff to have a kind of hardcore mode where people have can can form a hardcore raid guild. And if your character doesn't have Soul of Iron on them, you're not in the guild anymore, essentially, or you're not in the raid anymore. And they're doing that to raid Molten Core uh, in the Seasons of Mastery. And they've gotten four bosses down, so which means it's four bosses with no deaths. That's that's just so wild. Yeah, and I mean, not a single death. And the thing about it is, like, they've actually lost people because they got killed doing something else. Like they died in a dungeon or whatever, and so they they've lost like a they lost like a DPS, and they lost like a tank, and they had to like replace them obviously. But you know if no one has died yet in any of their raids, and I'm sorry, I did Molten Core for a long time back in the original World of Warcraft, what we sometimes call vanilla, and we never had a raid without a death. <laughs> we had raids where the entire raid died multiple times on trash. There's um, there's there's a reason that there's an undying achievement in Naxxramas. Yeah, it, it it was you know there's always somebody who does something dumb, you know. So managing that, managing molten core, even though they've only done four bosses, they've done um, um, I think uh, I can remember. I remember Gehennis. I know they've done Gehennis. Uh, I think they've done uh, Magmadar, uh, Lucifron, and I can't remember who the fourth one is. Maybe Gar. Yeah, it's Gar. With and, so they haven't done Berengedin yet. Mm, maybe they have done Geddon because he's Geddon and before Gehannis. You can pull either or because they 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 path them uh, the same. The yeah, same that's right. I don't know. They've done Gehennis. I know they've done Gehennis, so I don't think they've done Geddon yet. Because if they haven't done Geddon yet, I, if they can do Geddon without dying, I will be officially impressed because of that stupid knockup. Yeah, that is that is a real. But doing Gar with no deaths. I mean, depending on like your warlock composition. Yeah, my raid had a stupid amount of warlocks, so it was. Gar was child's play for us. We did, uh, we did, uh, we did Hunter Ping Pong to make it back in the day to make it make it easier. Yeah. yeah, we had like I think we had six warlocks. Yeah, we had like so, eight hunters, so we just played ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've but, done Lucifron, Kenneth, Magmadar, and Gar. Okay, yeah. So, so what I thought, and it's 
like the idea of, of being able to do molten core and at level at level 60 and the the only gear they have is gear out of molten core level rating and mostly they they mostly did trash for months mm-hmm. to get the the bracers not month no no actually a couple months at this point it has been a couple months uh so they mostly did trash for like the whole time and they've you know geared up to the point where they're attempting it for real on some bosses but yeah there are some bosses like he the, the knock up that joe just talked about is not is not fun um or being the bomb bomb is is Gehenis, right or is the bomb on geddon geddon geddon's the bomb yeah being the bomb, I mean, not just that it knocks you up, but also because you you can very easily blow up the whole raid um, if it's not handled right. So yeah, um, like I said, we did it a lot, and yet we still man- we I don't think we ever managed a deathless run uh, in Molten Core. Not not once. There's always somebody died to something. I think one time one of us fell off and into uh, one of the boss rooms, the one with the, the big giant. Uh, I remember that we were running across and someone fell in. And oh, yeah, the, the bridge, the bridge. And yeah, that lets yep. you down in the yep. room. Yep. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I just think this is pretty cool that they're doing this, that they're actually doing it. Hard mode, molten core raid. Um, that's pretty, pretty amazing to me. Uh, I straight up think that's that's cool. Um, either of you anything else to say about it before we move on? I I think it's fascinating, honestly. And I, I'm it, it's got me interested to see what they do, because I mean, yeah, it just shatters my perception of what those raids are a little bit. I find it hard to believe it's even possible mm-hmm. to do these with no deaths at all. That's just so wild. It's so impressive. Yeah. And it has to be done with so much care and a lot of, you know, you have to have perfect knowledge and execution of these fights. And you have to have it the first time. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody everybody has to be doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You can't have that one guy in the raid who's kind of goofy, but you'll all like him. But he's, <laughs> you know, no, that that person can't be there. You you all have to like actually listen and execute. That that is that, that challenges my ability to believe in things. That's like that's like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street level. You know there is a Santa Claus sort of <laughs> thing for me. Uh, but I'm going to move on to the next thing that we wrote about fairly recently. Um, I think everybody knew this was coming. This isn't like a surprise. But in Patch Nine Point Two, they're going to like nerf the the bejeebas out of the shards of domination that drop currently in patch 9.1 they drop in they drop in the raid but you can get socketed gear outside of the raid as well right a tiny bit you yeah. can get a socketed piece one piece for rep and one piece for the world boss out in the maw and then okay. you can get stuff out of your weekly uh, disappointment chest okay <laughs> I, I yeah so they they've put those in and i i wrote up a thing basically kind of trying to explain it without going into super high detail because it is actually a s- very complicated the shard of domination actually reminds me of the diablo 3 uh soul shards thing that's it, going on right now which is itself very much like diablo 2's rune words i was just gonna say yeah it reminds me very much of diablo 2 rune words and you, you have these the three words for each you've got a blood a frost and an unholy mm-hmm. um, set, for lack of a better word, and you have to collect three of them uh, and, to to make the set bonus. Any appropriate gear with the appropriate slot to activate, you have to have because yeah. you have to have like a head slot for the, or it might be shoulder slot, whatever. Each one has a specific gear slot it needs to to activate yeah. the bonus. So it's it is it's pretty complicated, and I understand why if you were a player and you went through all of that to get it, you'd kind of be annoyed that as soon as you get to the new content, uh, Zareth Mortis. And uh, the the sanct not the sanctum the sepulchre of of the first ones they they're turning off the uh, 
the shards of domination bonuses. They're just in all of it, not just the bonus, the set bonus, but also anything that the shard itself gives you because the shards each give you, they can go up to rank five and they they, each have a power. Don't they only work in the maw and the domination right now? Like that's it. No, that's the set bonuses. I thought the, the everything gems. else works everywhere. Really? Everything else, okay. yeah. The, the power yeah, that you get that's... from having a shard equipped is still there, but your set bonuses only work in the raids. But now, none of it's going to work. Like absolutely, all of it doesn't work in the in in Zareth Mortis. It doesn't work in in the Sanctum of Domination, and it doesn't work in any PvP, and it doesn't work in any dungeon. Which means Mythic, it's not going to work there either. The only place that the Shard of Domination will still work is the Maw, Torghast, and Sanctum of Domination. That's it. And I I knew they were going to do something. Because it was kind of like they put Corruption in the middle of the raid of of the expansion instead of putting Corruption at the end of the expansion. I knew that when we went to Xerath Mortis that they were going to make it so that when you got an upgrade, you didn't say, oh, but I'll lose my set bonus. Yeah, we, we talked about that, I think, when we first started talking about the Shards of Domination, that we expected that to sort of happen, right? Yeah, because it's they're not going to put something in and then have people telling them, well, now we you know we don't want to upgrade, because they've had that happen how many times? Every time. You know? Yeah, so... And you already list. have that with uh, Shards of Domination gear, because it's like, if you're raiding... You need to fill these slots with sh- slots with shard slot sockets. Yeah. Whoa. But that I, was that was a rough sentence. Suddenly a tongue twister. But uh, but they're replacing it. They're replacing it with set bonuses again. Like we that's right. that's another thing. So like you're you're losing a set bonus. It, to me, it's it's less about losing something, and instead, it's just the same thing is getting a different name on a new set of gear. Yeah, but. The other thing in previous set bonuses, it's like when a new set is released, the old set does not go away. It's you're just collecting a new set with better stats. They started doing that, though, a long time ago when people would do things like I would do. Like, I, I want to say it was um, I want to say it was, what was the last set bonuses we had that we didn't we wouldn't get Legion. Was it Legion? No, it was before that. So like you would keep as a, a shaman healer, you would keep two pieces to have the set bonus from the previous tier and then two pieces that from was, the current well, tier to have the to have the set bonus from that to min max your set bonuses. And then they got yeah. rid of it so that you couldn't carry the set bonus forward. Legion is the one where they, they made it so that every time you got a new set bonus, the old one became legacy and was inactive. That happened. I, I definitely um, I agree with you. I remember that happening in Legion, but I think it happened yeah. before that too. Because Warlords, doing- Warlords was the last one where you could do it because I remember doing it. Um, I had the Warlords... Um, the last warlord set set bonus and i i kept pieces from the set before it um actually i think i was actually using pieces from the end of missa pandaria because of how good that set bonus was prot warrior the the set bonus for missa pandaria was this really awesome thing that made your your ignore pain basically an invulnerability button mm-hmm. and like it, it gave it like a really boosted the damage absorb so i was keeping pieces for that and then that's when they they nerfed it. I remember that. So it was definitely the end of Warlords, beginning of Legion. Yeah. They, okay. They, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's coming. If you if you were, were thinking, wow, I'm going to keep my shards a set throughout um, Sanctum. I mean, Sepulchre are the first ones. They have to start them both with an S word. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, you won't. You will not be doing so. You'll 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 be. Uh, You'll be switching because it won't work in the new. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm kind of okay with Liz. It. Yep. The problem with with me having messed this up is that 
both Liz and Joe were then responded. And so now I have to go digging through to find the, the things they said. Uh, Joe, you mentioned the Overwatch 2 set thing. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I'm going to throw two things in here because I think it's it's worth noting. So Blizzard, we already know that Activision Blizzard has been in having uh, a set of complicated uh, months for their bad life choices. Um, so one thing that stuck out to me is recently Lego, you know, the conglomerate building block uh, company that has existed for a very long time and is ubiquitous with almost everything that uses building blocks. We all refer them as Legos, even if they aren't Legos, is halting an Overwatch 2 set that was being uh, scheduled for release soon uh, while it reevaluates its partnership with Activision Blizzard. And this is in terms of, well, basically in light of everything that's been going on, Lego is, is noted as trying to be a very family-friendly, uh, very... Uh, forward progressive company in terms of how it treats its employees and what it puts forward. I don't. So that would make sense that they're going to start to reevaluate it. That's a huge blow. Like what comes next? Like I was starting to think about it after this, there was a, a nerf tie in too with Hasbro because Hasbro owns nerf. And remember all the overwatch blasters we were getting for a very long time. Like every year we were getting overwatch blasters year after year after year. There hasn't been any new ones released. Not in a very long time, at least a year. Um, and I'm pretty sure there was more scheduled to be released. So I'm wondering if other companies are starting to walk that back and start to wonder if they want those licenses from Activision Blizzard anymore and if they want to work with them. And uh, to kind of bring it back before I get your guys' takes on it, Phil Spencer has also stated, this is Phil, Phil Spencer of Xbox, that they're reevaluating their relationship with Activision Blizzard as well uh, because they had stuff planned that they were going to do back in. Uh, so that's going to potentially be changing as well. What do you guys think? The thing about uh, Phil Spencer talking about Activision Blizzard is we've had statements from Xbox, from PlayStation, and from Nintendo saying we are reevaluating our relationship. And, you know, this is very serious. We're reevaluating our relationship and nothing has happened. Like, the, these are words, not actions. Sure. And, like, over the years, I've seen a lot about how, oh, no, outrage, this is terrible, and companies will follow through with a carefully worded PR statement. They're very concerned about this relationship and blah, 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 and not necessarily following through because the interest dies down and they just hang in there and do nothing and maybe nothing happens. If if they genuinely reevaluate these relationships, that's real bad for Activision because, you know, Call of Duty, you, there's they're a big console game, game player. So, but so far, it's just words. There's a lot of people out there saying, oh, we're reevaluating our relationship. And so far, very little action I, on that. So I'm, not, I'm not taking that to heart yet. I wonder how much of it has to do with contracts, though, too. Because that's the other side of the coin we, mm -hmm. don't, know, we don't know a lot about True. is what contracts were penned between them that they have to honor to a certain degree. Like, they might not be. And I'm not trying to, to you know, play one side or the other is, is right or wrong. I, I just, I don't know. And there could, I've seen yeah. enough contracts in my day to know that sometimes you are locked into a certain term. Otherwise, you need to pay millions and millions of dollars to get out of it. So they might be looking for a way out of that. I don't know. But I'm hoping, I think you're right, that it's been a lot of words, but I'm hoping we see more action from it. Lego, I think, on the other hand, will probably try to pull it if it doesn't violate a contract because they've been, they've done that in the past with other stuff, other licenses. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if they do that again. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with Lego. They're maniacs. <laughs> I, I got that in you know 90s reference for you as you remember it uh i i come back to the thing i always come back to um when you see like when this all came out the board rallied to bobby Kotick's defense before we even knew 
all the stuff he'd done before we even knew that he'd written the letter that everyone thought was Francis Townsend. Uh, and I, this is not me defending Francis Townsend. I think that the fact that they hired Francis Townsend is, is pretty bad mm-hmm. considering that she's somebody who defended waterboarding. Um, War crime apologist. Yep. But you know, I honestly, I still think, you know, fire Bobby Kodak is the right response here. And, and for that matter, maybe the entire board should go. They won't obviously. Um, they do not care about the the welfare of their welfare of their employees. They care about their bottom line, and that's if companies like Lego actually do start pulling their their contracts. If Xbox was like, you know, maybe we don't need Call of Duty, then it would be something. Um, but as long as Call of Duty is is on consoles, as long as people are porting you know various games to it, th- there's only so much pressure a stern, a sternly disapproving, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, is going to get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, so far, that has been the gaming industry. They're kind of like, oh, we're shocked. We're so shocked by this. You're not shocked by it because everybody is doing it. Stop telling me you're shocked. Do something. And, you know, I think, I think Liz is right. That I, I, don't, I don't foresee this, unless this kind of stuff piles up and we have a bunch of companies saying, yeah, we don't want that anymore. And now, you know, Activision is actually feeling it. Yeah, probably nothing will happen. That's and that's not something I'm I'm happy to say. This is why, again, I think unionization is so important because it, you need a counterforce. You need something to actually say no. You have gone too far. You you've you've fallen too far into the to the Willy Wonka sphere of things where you are turning children into giant grapes or whatever. You, you you're going too far, and you don't know that you've gone too far because nothing is too far to you. So so there needs to be a counterforce that says no. That was actually too much. And that, that's that's where I am. I think in general, corporations are not our friends. And I think in mm-hmm. the gaming field, we've felt for a long time, corporations are our friends. This company makes all of our favorite games and the developers are really awesome. And we talk on social media. I love this company. They're my friends. They are not your friends. Mm-hmm. In the end, they're in this to make money. The big corporation is in this to make money. They may have some really cool developers. They may have a bunch of hardworking people who love games, who you may be friends with, but corporations are not your friends. And that's the same for Xbox. That's the same for PlayStation. That's the same for all of them. So until they do something more than a sternly worded letter, I don't have faith that they're going to do something. But that's why it's also very important that like places like us and others out there continue to talk about it and keep it present in the media so that it doesn't go away, right? Like, I think you're yeah. absolutely right yeah. that they wait for it to, that a lot of times they wait for it to die down uh, so that they don't have to deal with it anymore. But if we don't let it die down, then they have to do something or face repercussions on their own as well. There's a, there's a famous uh, Roman general named Scipio Africanus. Uh, he got the Africanus sobriquet because he ultimately won the war against Hannibal and defeated Carthage in the final Punic War. I promise there's a reason I'm bringing this up. Uh, the reason you know why he was so famous in in Italy at the time, why why he became the hero of, of Rome, because he adopted a strategy called contator. Contator means delay. He didn't fight. He just kept letting Hannibal destroy everything he came across. He kept retreating, and he kept retreating because he knew he had the whole of the empire to retreat into, and he would have supplies the whole time. Because it was his home ground. And Hannibal, if he wanted to win, would have to follow him and extend his supply line out. In order to they, they know that if they can just do nothing long enough, they they can 
tire us out. They can, you know, exhaust us. They can make it so we, we want to do something else, want to talk about something else, want to think about something else, and then they can go back to business as usual. They can delay. That's, that's one of their biggest union-busting strategies is simply to just try to run out the clock. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing here. Um, it is basically, it is a playlist. It is a playbook as old as time. Heck, so, Star- yeah, Starbucks I, has tried to do that by delaying the vote for unionization here in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Liz is right. Until, until they actually do something, until there is a cost, then things won't change. Which, wow, that, that's, that's a depressing note to go into our uh, emails with. <laughs> okay. Um, give me a sec here. <laughs> okay. Trying to force myself into being like more reasonable. All right. Um, if you've got a question for us here at Blizzard Watch, uh, you can send it to our email at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, subject line podcast at Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. Please, please send a few emails that way. They don't all have to be about Lore Watch, guys. You know, Tavern Watch <laughs> could use a few even. Um, but yeah, email, you can totally use that. Or if you'd rather, we have two Discord channels. One is the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, from which the vast majority of today's questions came from. Uh, and we got, we actually did also get a question from the Q questions channel. Uh, so thank you for that question, by the way, it was really cool that there was one there for us. Um, yeah, that's the, so either one works. We love getting questions. They don't have to be about blizzard games. We are branching out. So if you have a question about a different video game, feel free to ask us that. And if we don't know the answer, we can try and find it. I mean, we, I'll be more than happy to, to go do some Google searching and, and see if I can answer a question about a game I don't play. Um, but I do play a lot of games, so Chances are pretty good. I've at least looked at your game. We play a lot of games. Um, yeah. Between the three of us, we, we definitely play a lot of games. And I got to tell you, now is a really good time to ask questions about Mass Effect. <laughs> I'm just saying, now is the time. Every time is a good time to ask yeah. questions about Mass Effect. But that's, a, that's just me. That's just a, me. Just, but now is a really good time because I'm currently enmeshed in it. So anyway, uh, this one, um, I, I'm going to ask... Uh, Joe, you read the first one. There, I'll, I'll just pick <laughs> the the one that's for me and Liz. <laughs> uh, what are the like, most What are the most interesting non Avimenta? Wow, I can't remember. Avimenta Archosaurs. Those are the ones that have like uh, wing like digits, right? I have no, no. idea. No, uh, Avimenta is the dinosaurs, birds, and pterosaurs. Yeah, I can't answer that so, question. <laughs> you see, I. There was not a name attached to this, so I'm wondering, Matt, did this question come from you? Did someone actually send this in? Someone did send it in, but they sent it in not to our email. Someone DM'd it to me. So. Um, yeah, thank you, whoever sent that in, because it I may don't have been know. somebody I'm related to. Uh, I'm just saying. Um, I mean, Matt, maybe you could tell us what an Avon Metastoria is. Uh, okay, Avon Metastoria is, like I said, it's it's birds, dinosaurs, and pterosaurs. It's the okay. they call it the bird. It's another thing is like the bird line archosaurs. It's everything. It's it's birds and everything that is more closely related to birds than crocodiles. Uh, the the other archosaurs, the the non Avon Metastoria are you know crocodilians everything related to crocodilians and everything that's more closely related to crocodilians than to dinosaurs and there's there's some back and forth on this but for instance uh there's a there's a, 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 a oh boy, i keep wanting to say sauropod that's not the right word there's a sauristian named uh um 
Arenthosuchus. Arenthosuchus, it means red crocodile. Arenthosuchus was not a crocodile, but it was more closely related to them than it was to dinosaurs. And it's kind of infamous in in, uh, paleontology for having a gigantic head. Like it's got this enormous, very dinosaur-looking head. When you when they found it, they were like, "What's going on with this thing's head?" Its body. The vast majority of these things don't look like crocodiles. In fact, modern crocodiles are kind of a throwback to the earliest, you know, uh, archosaurs, um, the aquatic ones, like the phytosaurs. But yeah, the basic difference is it's like everything that isn't a bird or a bird relative or, you know, is, is a sauropod, it's a, it's a non avametatarsalian. That's just, they came up with the, the avametatarsalia to, to come up with a way to basically say dinosaurs and everything related to dinosaurs, but not everything related to dinosaurs. It's, it's one of those things that you get in cladistics when you're trying to differentiate between say a crocodile and a non-crocodile or a bird or a non-bird. Uh, but yeah, I, I would honestly say, I know why this question was asked. It's because they wanted me to talk about uh, Prestosuchus. Have you guys heard of Prestosuchus? No, I have not. You are okay. our expert. Okay. Um, there's the, they call them, sometimes they call these animals the, the Rorosichians, and sometimes they call them the, uh, like I said, n- the non-Ava Meditarsalians. And what they are is a group of archosaurs. Um, again, archosaurs is like the ruling reptiles. That's just what that means. Um, and everything like from dinosaurs there's a ton of dinosaur morphs that are not dinosaurs but they're related to dinosaurs um that didn't you know they didn't take off they didn't become dominant the dinosaurs did but there was a period of time during the early to mid triassic where dinosaurs were just one kind of archosaur and they were not dominant in any field it's not till the jurassic that the dinosaurs really start to take off and become dominant for the, the the long period of time that they were dominant. Uh, during the, the the early to mid Triassic, the dinosaurs were practically there was like none. There were no dinosaurs. The most common herbivore was in fact related to us. It was a Dicynodont, and it was about the size of a cow. It didn't look like like our like didn't look like a mammal, but it was it was more closely related to mammals than it was to dinosaurs. Uh, it was in fact a direct ancestor of mammals and. As a result of all that, there's this huge diversity of, of archosaurs in the Triassic that we know quite a bit about in a scientific way, but but most people don't know that they existed. And Prestosuchus, Postosuchus, other Orsicians were, were on an evolutionary process that it's very... They were also called the Kurotarsans as well. And the, they're called Kurotarsans because of their, their ankle joints, which are distinctive and unique. When you look at the, you look at this uh, like one of these animals, you can immediately pick it out by its ankle joint. You can say, okay, this ankle looks like this, therefore it's not a dinosaur. And these things were everywhere, and they were dominant. They were the ones who were the biggest hunters in the world at the time. Prestosuchus is is a, on a line of dino, of animal that led to at the time there was an uh, an animal related to Prestosuchus that was like eleven meters long. Which, in, in case you're wondering, T Rex is twelve meters long. And this was in the the late Triassic. This thing was wandering around and its forelimbs were shrinking and its hind limbs were taking over and it was balancing itself bipedially. They were headed in the exact same path that dinosaurs would later end up taking, but then they just died out and we don't know why. We don't know why they didn't take over and, and dinosaurs did. This is one of the real things th- that we're going to have to stop talking about now because I have spent <laughs> several minutes on it. 
But one of the things people often mistake is they think evolution is a process with an end goal, that humans are dominant because we are most evolved and that we were the destined end point of evolution was to take us to here, to where humans mm, are. Nope. But that is not the case. Uh, evolution is random and it has, it has fractal branching and constant. many, yeah, many times in animal there's there's this idea that animals used they used to we used to say words like primitive but we don't say primitive anymore we say basal the reason we say basal and not primitive is because basal just means that it, it's earlier along this trackway than this other animal that came later that is derived from it. it there's no qualitative difference there's no you know being more evolved or less evolved every animal is equally evolved every animal is evolved to its niche every animal is evolved to the lifestyle that led it to where it is no animal is more evolved than another. It's just this one is ancestral to this one. And that's the thing about the, the non-Aphometatarsalian archosaurs. They're very successful. They were they dominated the land in the Triassic, and they've never gone away. Like The, the non-Aphometatarsalians are out there right now, um, all over the world, and they've, they've held on when so many others didn't. So let's, let's hear it for the, the non-Aphometatarsalians. Yay. But now let's actually do a different question that is possibly more related <laughs> to what we do here. Since Liz had to do that one. Was that Joe? You had to do that one. So this I had to Liz. do that one. Okay. Sid Marquez asks, question for Blizzard Watch. Going off Rossi's article about player housing, if your character could build a home and help to rebuild, where would it be? If it were literally anywhere in the game, I'd move to Zangermarsh and keep helping out the Sporlings on Azeroth, either Raven Hill or Moonbrook. I've always felt that that part of the world has been badly neglected by Stormwind and needs some love. Um, you know, I'm playing a Blood Elf right now, and I'm just going to say, you know, that dead scar right through the middle of Ghostlands and right along the edge of Silvermoon City. We should fix this up. We should get rid of those undead. We should clean this place up. This is home. Why do we have this big pit of undead running through the middle of it? We, we have the power. We can fix this. Uh, am I the only one who's imagining like a Marie Kondo blood elf who's like, do these undead spark joy? No, no, no they don't. No, they do not. <laughs> and they really don't. No, absolutely don't spark any joy. Not even the forsaken like them. Cut to a forsaken. Nah, man, they, they, those guys are dead. Uh, but, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's go in there, plant some trees. I don't know. We can do it up. We can do it up. Joe? Uh, honestly, I would go back to Pandaria and it, it's a zone that I always loved and I felt could be reclaimed or built up better than what it was and it would be the dread wastes so i actually like that area and i think it could be reclaimed and redone um and it could be rebuilt and actually something beautiful made there it's i was gonna make a joke about it having good bones but i figured that would be too on the nose uh but yeah like i was i, I just talk about ankles some more <laughs> <laughs> but i just i always loved that zone and i thought that it was just very we were only ever there for like doing stuff for the bugs, um, the Claxi, and I would like to see that zone. I don't want to necessarily say completely like expunge the uh, the the Klaxi, but you know, reclaim some of the stuff that they broke down, add some like beautiful architecture to it. I think it could be really cool. So like, yeah, that would be my pick for a zone uh, if I could go anywhere and rebuild and have player housing. I'd do the heartbeat. Matt? Yeah, um, the problem I have is I have two two ideas, and I don't know which one to go with, so I'll just go with the first one. Black Rock Mountain. Yeah, that's a good choice. And honestly, I don't know that I'd want to change it too much. Like, I kind of like that it's... I, I've, been, I've been... When I play WoW, I've been playing my Orc a bit, a fair amount. 
um, one of the things I've always wanted to do is like have, I don't know how to put this because I'm not saying that the orcs have, that are, are the orc portrayal in world of Warcraft has always been negative, but I want to see some orcs actually start to move in the direction that Sorfang was pushing. Them. I want to see some orcs who are like, yeah, you know what? This is messed up. Uh, and we, we actually are responsible for some of our own problems and it's time that we reclaim some things and, and fix some things. And I'd love to see like your, your orc player character, your, your orc character in, in WoW go to like Black Rock Mountain and gather up the various orcs that live there and be like, okay, guys, you've, you've had some really terrible leaders, like just, just awful, awful leaders. You do not have to live in a volcano and balance yourself on a big platform over a pit of lava this this does not have to be your life. We can we can get out of here or make this place some place where we can actually live. I feel like the horde has a real problem with when I say the horde, I literally just mean the orcs. They keep picking terrible places to live. But that's because like, we're hardy and we can live where we can we can make a life here where nobody else can. Yeah, Durotar is a terrible place to live. It is. And I think that would be the other possibility. That's my my backup for that would be to, to just settle someplace in Durotar and actually work on, you know, how do we live here? Assuming we're not going to just try and completely change Durotar to suit us because it is its own ecosystem. How can we live in Durotar and not mess this place up? Because that's actually been something that was there from from like Warcraft 3. Uh, if you remember the, the Rexar campaign, it, it, it's all about the horde trying to figure out how to live in Durotar. Like there's this whole bit where the, the, I forget what they're called. The, the big thunder lizards start going nuts. And Rexar is sent to find out what the problem is. And they're going nuts because someone has dug into their water supply. And I'm like more of that, less of let's have a war with the Alliance every five minutes, more of how do we actually live here? How do we adapt to this environment that we've picked, even though it is utterly terrible and, for all of all the decisions you've made, picking a place to live because you feel like your people have to pay penance is not a good decision. That 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 was. I really would like to see some movement in that direction, where Durotar becomes a place where the orcs actually figure out how to live in it. Uh, but I also think I would like to see orcish characters go to places where orcs live in the world. Like I'd love to see one go back to Hammerfall and and set up a, a dominion there. So that that's what I'm thinking. They need to move where they can grow pumpkins, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. I'm sorry, but now I, I want to see an orc riding on a big pumpkin being pulled by giant <laughs> hogs. I, it might happen someday. It might happen someday. Do you remember that mount that they were going to give the Gilneans and then they didn't? That looked like a weird giant pig. Yeah. Going back to Cataclysm. Yeah. And before they, they gave him the running wild. Yeah. They were going to have this like pig mount. I remember looking at it going, what? Why are they hog father now? What, what's going on with this? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that's just in my head now as an orc with two of those things pulling a pumpkin for him. Um, yeah, well, I believe that's fine. <laughs> All right, so uh, who's up? When do you read it? Guess it would be me. So uh, uh, Susie the Banshee, uh, Banshee in the Death Knight starting area was always my favorite pop culture reference in WoW because I'm a huge, huge fan of Susie and the Banshees and because it's such a good fit. Uh, what is your favorite pop culture reference in WoW if you have one and why is it your favorite? And this is from... Irisha. I don't know. I kind of just like pop pop culture references in gaming in general. Um, I think that they are uh, they can be very well done and are really neat time capsules when you can kind of pinpoint when they were made. Uh, like we could talk about Mr. T as the Night Elf Mohawk uh, and how his NPC does exist in the game. <laughs> um, 
there there's little fun things like that that have always happened inside of like just gaming in general. Uh, I don't know if I have a, a an absolute 100% favorite one. I just kind of like them all. Do you guys have one that you like really sticks out to you, Liz? Um, when I first read this question, the first thing I thought about was uh, Ted and Marius in Battle for Azeroth. And you just kind of find oh, these yeah. two random guys yeah. kind of in different locations in Battle for Azeroth. And if you complete all of their little tasks, the achievement, the achievement is Ted and Marius's excellent adventure, a reference to Bill and Ted's adventure. Um, I think that sticks out because it's just, it's such a little thing. It's not part of the, you know, it's not an essential part of the game. You could play the game and entirely miss these guys. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's just, it's little and it's fun and kind of the randomness of it kind of captures the fun that was Bill and Ted in the first place. There's also um, one thing I think is really interesting about WoW, just before, well, Matt's probably making his decision. Um, (laughs) Pop culture references aren't just NPCs or things like that, too. There's some that are actually like... uh, Quests. Okay, you need to stop because I've got one that is very much like what you're talking about that I'm going to talk about. Okay, I was also going to say and fight mechanics. Please go. Yeah, there's there's this reference goes back to the very dawn of World of Warcraft. It is a vanilla thing, and it's in the Badlands. In the Badlands, when you're just wandering around, there's there's no reason to go to this area. There's nothing there. There's there's no quest doesn't send you there. Story element doesn't send you there. It's just a place in the Badlands. There's a crypt underground and in that crypt underground is a giant skeleton on a throne holding a sword and it is a shot by shot recreation of the scene in the arnold schwarzenegger conan movie Mm -hmm. where he falls into a crypt out in the middle of nowhere and finds a a skeleton with a sword and he takes the sword so that he can kill the wolves that are chasing him and not die and that's it and there's no achievement because they didn't have achievements yet there's no reason to be there there's no quest that ever sends you there it's just there. And I remember when I found it and I thought, oh, oh, and I, it was bugging me and I couldn't figure out why it was there. What, what is this for? Why is this here? And then it hit me. Oh, it's because of this. And I like that because it's like what Liz was talking about with Ted Marius. It's, it's easily missed. And there's really absolutely no reason you would find this. Mm-hmm. There's and. And that's why it's my favorite because I remember finding it. and I remember that feeling. Oh. The Sully Baloo letter is my number two because that's a reference to something that the developers saw on Ken Burns' Civil War documentary. Yep. An actual a man named Sullivan Baloo actually wrote letters back to his wife, and they they referenced that. Those are my two because they are there's, they are small, they are they are intimate, and they don't have anything to do with the game. There's another one uh, that you reminded me of while you're talking about that. Uh, over in Carver's Harbor, there's a wrecked ship, and it has a sign on it that is a reference to Battlestar Galactica. I think it says, like, here lays the Lady Thrace. Uh, may she hear nothing but the rain. So, like, it's it's a, a reference to Kara Thrace in the remake of Battlestar Galactica, which I thought, like, there are little tiny things like that are really interesting. Um, there's also, like, there's a, tons of Simpsons references, um, like steamed clams. Get it? Steamed hams. Uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of like fun stuff that they do throughout. Uh, but like they have references to comics, movies. Uh, they have other gaming references in there. Uh, literature, like it's. And I like the little ones too. There's uh, a Halo game. Um, it might not be Halo. It might be some other shooter game. But I just remember when I found it. Too. Uh, but one of those games actually, you you find in a frozen cave, you find a sword. Mm-hmm. And the sword is Frostmourne. Yep. 
And I remember like seeing that and going, what? <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that sometimes it's not even that, about World of Warcraft. It's, it's a reference in a completely different game to like Warcraft that, that I was, find amusing. That was Destiny 2, and then Warcraft made a reference to the loot cave from Destiny 2. Ah, okay. There was like a cross-pollinization there. One thing I'm seeing in all of our examples here is they kind of epitomize the joy of exploring. They're Mm -hmm. unnecessary things that you just kind of wander into. And I think we've lost some of that joy over the years, kind of just by necessity. By the way, gaming works these days. By the way, everything is data mined and we all look stuff up on Wowhead. It's like, okay, I can't find this thing. I'm just going to look. I'm going to Google it. And the world has become so much of an open book. There's less mystery. And it's like these days, I think we're all pretty aware, you know, if I need to be there, the game's going to send me there. And there are less of these little hidden weird things. They're all going to be somewhere where we need to be. Or and if they're there, I, if they're there, they're like gamified. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, as cool as it was to have the secret finding, mount chasing stuff that was going on, at the same time, it also meant that there was no just secret stuff that was just there to be secret stuff. It was all part of this th- this effort to get this mount. And I I yeah. enjoy the secret finding stuff yeah. too. I think that's it's, lots it's, of fun to watch. But it feels like Warcraft doesn't have this kind of joy of just wandering around and, oh, I found this cool thing that not everyone knows about. Because if there's a cool thing, everyone already knows about it. Yeah, Although I, on that same vein, like I remember, and I, I just typed this in chat, but I remember like accidentally stumbling upon the Angry Chickens in Stormsong Valley. And like it's very clearly a reference to like. Uh, the angry, angry birds. Co- the, no, angry cuckoos from uh, Legend of Zelda. Because if oh, you yeah. if you attack one, they all swarm and attack you. And so, like, I remember discovering that, and like, I didn't hear anybody talk about it, but it was like this moment of pure joy because I was like, I understood the reference, I got it, it was hilarious, but I had discovered it organically. Like, I didn't go looking for it. Like, I remember one of the one of the first videos I ever did uh, for our, our website. Like, when we used to do like. Uh, like videos and upload them and put them in like headers and stuff like that for like little things was when we did the, uh, the creature plateau uh, where like you would randomly, it was in Mulgore. You go to the top of this mountain. There were a bunch of, of creatures. And if you happen to be there at exactly the right time, they would all like grow super big, get weapons and armor and just murder each other. And like, (laughs) that was the first video I ever did for the website. Wasn't Uh, that like in Mulgore? Yeah, it was in Mulgore. It was in the top of a mountain of Mulgore. Yeah, I Uh, remember that. But like that was that was like back in those days, like if you found it, like I don't remember any website having posted about it until we did. But like it was one of those things like somebody from our our work, uh, work chat randomly found it and then like told us about it. And that's how we figured like that's how we found it, or at least how I found it. And it was just like I miss some of those organic moments. So I think I think I'm with you guys. And I I think Liz is absolutely right. Um, I think it's a matter of I admit I like the ones that are more organically. Okay. Um. As cool as this discussion has been, we've got five minutes. Um, you, you want to jump to the last the last question, the one that I picked up and, and added to the email at the end? Does anyone want to read sure, that one? Sure. Uh, here is a question from Stouty Poofs for Blizzard Watch. Seeing a lot of folks speculating on a light versus void X-Pack, and this would pose an opportunity to move into a faction conflict different than Horde versus Alliance. We could go into this Picking aside, no matter our race, although Void Elves and Maghar Arcs kind of already made theirs, wondering, wondered your thoughts on a future of light versus void gameplay. If not, what kind of split would you see as a compelling story? 
got a lore question coming too, but thought this was more gameplay banter. Cheers, y'all. Uh, I'm I'm gonna let y'all take it away with this one. I think it's an interesting idea, but I am I'm not the lore person here. Well, I don't even know if this is a lore question. This is basically just a what if we had a different faction divide question from my perspective. That's how I'm looking at That's it. That's kind of how I see it too. Yeah. And honestly, I think the problem is that I'm just not in a good place to judge that because I just don't want it anymore. Um, I just don't want it. I don't, I don't want to come up with a new fashion divide that keeps me from playing with different people. Like <laughs> then, you know, just because I, I get to pick it doesn't, you know, I don't know. Like if, if the covenants made it so I couldn't group with people in other covenants, I'd be really upset with it. I would think that I, I think anything that divides the player base in that fashion is bad. Um, and I honestly, when I look back on missteps and mistakes that, that the, the developers of world of warcraft have made over the years um i think emphasizing the faction divide in battle for azeroth mm-hmm. on the on the tail end of legion was the biggest mistake they've ever made and it divided and polarized and i i don't use this word casually and i think it's it does sound hyperbolic but i think it sickened the uh the wow player community in a way it created this sense of opposition that that it's us versus them as a team sport and we have teams that we back and you know it's it's always been there in wow to a degree like i remember going to the burning crusade midnight launch and Mm -hmm. having people like screaming you know obscenities at other people because they were wearing the other faction colors and what have you that's always been there but battle for azeroth really amped it up because they i remember the ads um there was one ad that i remember liz showing me it was like a, a guy in a supermarket and they're like the cashier's glaring at that the person in the line because the, the person in the line's like you know an alliance and they're horde and it's like you know just I don't I don't want to have to fight you um you know it's it's not there's one thing PvP doesn't bother me it's not that it's the idea that my enemy is the other person on the other side of the keyboard you know what I mean it's just no yeah. we're playing a game I, together we don't have to play it together together but yeah I, I just tend to agree. yeah. And so I, when I hear someone say, well, what if we did this instead? I think it would be interesting to have a, a light void expansion where they exist and they're in opposition and we, we interact with them. I don't want to have to pick one and then be on team light, you know, because then that means people, my friend who picked team void because I don't know, Mitch loves the void so much. He isn't going to pick team light. Come on. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to have to then be like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't tank for you, Mitch. You're in t- you're on Team Shadow. Uh, you know what I mean? I just I, I'm with you, and I I, I agree with you 100. percent And uh, Saudi Poos, I want to make sure that you're clear that we don't hate your idea. It's just I think we've collectively, and I don't want to speak for Liz, but I think we've reached a point where like at least Matt and I are just kind of tired of the whole idea of factions in general. It's it's antiquated. It was done in Warcraft three and we've just spent 17 years dealing with it. I'd like to move on. And this is just more of the same with that. I think you can do a very interesting light versus void expansion that doesn't necessarily have to have a faction divide. It, it can be very similar to I, I, what I think covenants did. And I think covenants are sort of like a precursor to what I think the future should be. Let's say you want to join a re a re-upped Scarlet Crusade but it's made up of everybody from people from both quote unquote factions that exist, but they still interact with maybe the lights hand or, or 
uh, or the silver head, excuse me. Uh, or maybe it interacts with the, the another sort of like covenant like faction all working towards the same goal, just going about it different so that you can still have that agency of choice and how you would approach the problem. But everybody is working towards solving the same problem instead of fighting each other, because that's the problem that you would run into with a light versus void expansion, where those are the factions you choose between is you're just going to be fighting each other more. And what does that really do? You're basically saying that a person is going to choose to, you know, side with the void, which we've established is sort of like this force that wants to blow up the universe and like get rid of everything. Uh, or they're going to side with the light who is questionable in its motives for what it wants to do. See Illidan Stormry. There's it's, you can do interesting expansions revolving around core concepts, without necessarily focusing on a faction divide. And I think if we move away from faction divides and work more towards Covenant-style choices, I think the player base as a whole would be happier, personally. Um, I could be wrong. I don't want to speak for everybody. But I think it would be a better way to approach that. Like, if the Void's the problem, here are these different factions and how they're dealing with it. Or maybe it's the fight, the war between the Light and the Void uh, that is the problem that we have to deal with, and we're figuring out how to deal with the aftermath. Um, which is also very interesting on your timing because they just updated the faction description pages online. Uh, so if you go look at Velen, uh, Velen's an updated to talk about a coming war between light and void. So, uh, fortuitous timing. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree with both of y'all really. I mean, since battle for Azeroth, I've been feeling really tired of faction conflict, but, uh, also kind of what Joe was saying. I think you could do some interesting stories here. And, you know, what if we are we are just the poor mortals stuck in this battle between light and void being bounced around by these cosmic forces, finding a way to survive this, you know, something that's just much, much bigger than us and bigger than Azeroth. And um, yeah, I honestly feel like if I were going to do this kind of expansion, I would want it to be the expansion where we as mortals rise up and say, stop using us in your stupid mm -hmm. being match. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to take sides between the two of you because you're both terrible. Just go, <laughs> go have your cosmic war somewhere else because we're not fighting it for you. Uh, and that's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Of I, but I would totally be down for a, a like as Joe was talking about it. I was thinking, what if there was like a faction that wanted to use the void but not serve it? Like literally, use we have it. that already. Yeah, and we have void elves. elves. Yeah. yeah, what if you could pursue that? Like, what if other people could could join yeah. in on the void elf crusade to conquer the void? Like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kick the void's butt. What? What do you mean? No, oh, yeah, we're gonna make them do what we want. You know, and it just you could have different things where you could join different groups and they could have different pursuits, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive towards each other. Like where you can't group yeah. with people. I hate not being able to group with people. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. And, in in the same thing, like over the last couple of weeks, I've been taught, like I've been invited to raid with a bunch of my friends because they're like, Hey, you know, we could use some DPS or, Hey, you know, are you bored? You want to join us? We need extra bodies, but they're Alliance and my main characters are horde and I can't group with them. Right. Like it, it's, it's, I just want to play with my friends. Do I want to level a whole other character? Like, I don't know. I, I, I think the barrier needs to come down, not go back up. Um, one, the expansion that I think did this sort of best feel was a Legion. Um, yeah. I mean, the Legion's class halls are very similar to Shadowland Covenants, but the class halls just felt so, like the quests felt a little deeper in the class halls, mm -hmm. and they felt more tied to us and to our characters. 
whereas Covenants, the stories feel a little shorter and a little less important because, okay, we just met you and we decide to join your covenant. Okay, we're going to work with you. But this is not as important to me as working with my class hall back in Legion because this is like my class hall. This is me. This is my identity, who I am. So that just felt like a really strong narrative. Depending on which class you were playing. Well, yeah. And you could have conflicts between these groups, like the Death Knights trying to steal Tyrion's body, which we have still never seen a resolution to. We we, we lost. We didn't get it. That was (laughs) the resolution. But it like it seems like there would be like maybe some tiny amount of blowback for that because that was kind of a big deal, you know. God, we all we did Light was Hope try Chapel. to steal your 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 guy. I don't get why are you guys always so upset about this? It was just your beloved leader who we were going to raise into an unholy mockery of life. Like <laughs> that's just what we do. Come on. But no, yeah, yeah no I totally. Big deal. No I, I big totally, deal. That was one of the better like. The the priest to paladin one was good too because they, but they teamed up basically they were like on yeah. the same side the death knight one where they just straight up break into the like hope and try and steal Tyrion's body and it's like wow guys wow that is yeah that is pretty and for an encore for an encore they desecrated the body of a, of like a, a holy red dragon after breaking into the ruby <laughs> dragon shrine and killing a bunch of red dragons mm-hmm. it's like wow so you you decided you didn't tick off enough people so you decided dragons too huh i but i agree with what liz is saying at the core no, of it. absolutely like, i think legion had better like deeper deeper questing but i think in what terms of matt's just describing i think the covenants kind of do it better in we're working towards a common goal uh, there's a, like, especially now that we're moving into the more cooperation phase of things versus like, you know, Death Knights just kind of doing what they need to do because, hey, this is what I we need to do. <laughs> I think that one of the things about Covenants was that because they added it and we, we actually need to wrap up fairly soon. We do. Uh, but one of the things about Covenants was then they added the switching thing that if they did something like it in the next expansion, you shouldn't actually have to join a Covenant or whatever the next it. thing is. Yeah. You just work with them. And that way you can go work with any of them and you can get like, take it back to the way it used to be in, in original like factioning. Like when you'd go do something for the ardent, you know, Argent reputation Dawn. Yeah. It didn't lock you out of other reputations. You could pursue other multiple things. Just codified unless, it. Unless you want to talk about booty Bay and uh, the whole, I do not, I do not <laughs> want to talk about booty Bay. Uh, yeah, I think at this point we got to wrap it up. So, I th- Joe? I think so, too. Uh, so, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, again, guys, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. If you have a question... For the podcast, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Or go to our Discord server and use our patron Q and podcast questions channel or our Q questions channel uh, if you are not a patron. Uh, thank you guys very much for being here with us. Uh, thank you to Joe and Liz for always being here and helping me, you know, not talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> well, you kind of didn't quite pull off this week, but usually you do. And, and I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, guys. We'll be here next week.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.